Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I am Russell Tovey. And I'm Robert Diamond. And this is Talk Art. Welcome to Talk Art. How are you today, Rob? I'm feeling saturated with information mm. because now we've been in lockdown. It's just like constant information about all different things. And it's not even necessarily related to the pandemic itself, because I guess you can choose to log on to the news sources, you know, at, at yeah, I've kind of to. taken a break away from it. I was I was full on when it first happened, and now I've sort of taken a step back, and I'm yeah, I, a bit I have to clearer headed about living. Yeah, because I think otherwise you can get really obsessed with it, and you kind yeah, of end up just easily. living through the, the news twenty four seven pandemic yeah. wormhole. But something I've noticed is that people are bringing up a lot of social issues on Instagram, and one of the things I noticed today is there's an organization or a group on Instagram called I Weigh, as in like the weight of your body, and people have been who run that organization are posting photographs and they were talking about body image and this idea of the pressures that we're all being put under during lockdown to exercise mm. loads and to sort of keep up the fit body and to like mm. you know be doing like 10 yoga classes a day and like That's all this true. stuff yeah and about how it's triggering people with anxieties. eating disorders or yeah. anxieties to sort of feel bad about themselves when we're already feeling bad enough as it is and it just made me think a lot about all these external information sources we have now and how it's a constant sort of thing that's being put on all of us and because mm. we're often working I don't always think about it as much it's a bit more like a subconscious thing but I think now that we've got more time I've sort of been analyzing it a bit more and and it, it brought me to the work of the guest who we're going to meet today because mm -hmm. her paintings are inspired partly by popular culture and also the figurative paintings of women mm. and they mm. explore different facets of like race sex culture and I felt a connection to her work in this time because I think it's really a, a positive way to think about all of those external forces mm. and I know that you've been following her for a long time as well mm -hmm. I think exactly what you're saying I think it's the characters in this Artists' work are all very pro-body. They're all very confident. They're all very proud. It's a very... They have an energy that is... Um, it's a, yeah, it's a confidence. It's a strong confidence that goes through it, which is, which is why so many people are drawn to the work and I think why this artist is having such a, a kind of meteoric, fast-paced rise to, uh, with attention all over the world, really. So, yeah, now we're really excited to have... On the show today, Talk Art, please can we welcome Samaya Critchlow. Hi, Samaya. Hello. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, thanks. Yeah. Where do we find you um, today? I'm just at home. Um, I am sitting kind of at the table. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Got all my books around me and the sun is coming in. Mm -hmm. It's really nice. You're in London, right? You You're in London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I live in London and I... Before now, I was living with my partner at his mum's house, so I've just moved out into my own place for the first time. So I'm oh. enjoying it. How, well, how is that? How's leaving like the mum and the partner to be by yourself? Is it helping with oh, work no, or is it older? The partner's with. Oh, okay, good, but, good, good, um, good. <laughs> yeah, no, it's really nice actually. It's like very much welcomed because I kind of put it on the back burner for a while to focus on art because London is so expensive and, you know, there's a lot going on. Mm -hmm. So it, it feels really refreshing and nice to, especially at this time when there's a lot going on and, you know, everyone's on top of each other. Mm -hmm. It's, yeah, it is, I'm really enjoying it. So you, you were born in Britain, but a lot of people might think that you're actually American because I came to your work through uh, an American gallery called the Fortnite Institute 
And right. and also you've had lots of shows in America. And recently there was a Marion Boetsky group show, a figuration group show, which you were in. And I think people wouldn't realize that you're actually British, which is um, great. I mean, yeah. brilliant for us. But how comes that? Because you're still quite young and you've only recently sort of graduated. The, the experience of the American galleries, how did that all come about so quickly? Um, well... Basically, I um, so I studied at the University of the University of Brighton, and then I did a postgraduate. And like you say, I didn't finish too long ago. And um, I happened to meet the gallery that I'm working with now, um, and it just came about that the first solo show that I did, kind of through them in partnership with another gallery, was in Chicago. Mm-hmm. It, it, and it it just seemed to happen quite organically and make sense. Mm-hmm. And so I think um, kind of that starting off there it just things kind of grew from from that and I mean I visited America and stuff when I was younger New York but not a lot so it's quite interesting and yeah I do get a lot of people messaging me and they think that I'm in New York (laughs) which is yeah (laughs) which is I I mean I don't consider it but then yeah because I'm because I know where I am based but um yeah, I think there's a lot going on in America at the moment. Yes. And I think, uh, like, the way we see ourselves and kind of the imagery that we look at, I think there's a big conversation going on over there. And probably just having the show start out in Chicago led the mm. path for, yeah, I don't know. It's all been very organic. So. Yeah, no, it feels like it. But the, the title of that show was called Time Never Mattered, which I need to thank you for and rob is a big fan but you've got me into the music of kodak black because you oh. because you that, that's from taken from a lyric from a kodak black song right yeah I, i'm presuming you've now listened to yes i, I want to say thank yeah, you yeah. for that because i'm bopping around my black I, I was already a kodak black fan because i obviously oh. first learned about him a bit before cardi b got really famous um yeah, because she did yeah. her her kind of kodak yellow Oh, sorry, but 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 Bodak yeah, Yellow. Bodak Yellow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To be honest, um, that that kind of ties in because, funnily enough, like there's there was quite a strong influence um, behind the beginning of the work of this TV series called Love and Hip Hop, and yeah. there's like a whole bunch of. Have you seen it? Yes, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. And that's yeah, how Cardi yeah. B came to came to all exactly. of our attention. Yeah, so I kind of um, was watching it, and what is and it a rel- reality TV that. show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's. It's kind of focused around, like, uh, I guess a lot of the musicians and kind of, like, celebrity culture in America. And it is predominantly, like, a black cast, which I, like, really enjoyed. And I used to watch it when I was at university. It's quite trashy, but in a really um, interesting way. Yes. <laughs> and, yeah, so, um, yeah, and Kodak Black, Time Never Mattered. I'm, I'm a huge fan of his music. Um, I, I think he's a really interesting character. And that song, I find it very, like, soothing. And so it seemed to fit the show. <laughs> well, you listen to rap music um, when you're working, right? That's And you play it quite loud. Yeah, I'm, I, I tend to listen to a lot of rap music when I'm painting. And I don't know. I, thought, I, I don't know. It's like uh, when the Kendrick Lamar album came out, you know, mm-hmm. the one that, that became quite big and... And I remember listening to that, and I was, that was quite a few years ago, and thinking, wow, this is like reading a book or a poem. You know, yeah. it's a whole story from start to end. Mm. And, yeah, I think, you know, you, you subconsciously kind of like relate to things. And I don't know why, but I just, I find that music, it does something for me when I'm painting. But equally, I'll, I'll end up listening to Jeff Buckley. You know, it's really all over the place. But I do think kind of rap and... And people like Kodak Black have a strong influence on mm-hmm. kind of like how I'm interested in viewing the world and, and, and like different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, people coming to your work will see that it's hugely figurative and a, and a lot of the characters are in it are, uh, well, it, it's predominantly female, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think I've seen any male characters. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But these characters no. occupy like a, a hip hop culture or a rap culture. They seem to have this sort of occupy that world, I guess, from this TV show you've been watching. Yeah, I mean, I think that was that was a lot of the way it began, um, purely because I, I've studied all my life quite a traditional education of painting and mm. looked at a lot of, you know, well, I guess we, when I was at university, it was a lot of looking at 
contemporaries and the YBA and and then initially like I've always been quite drawn to um like old masters and then Velasquez and Manet and stuff like that so there was this kind of discord between personal interests and things that I was doing in my personal time which was watching these shows and kind of interested in in Hip hop and the culture around mm-hmm. it, and then also heavily involved with painting. The juxtaposition so, of that, yeah, yeah, and and it kind of felt like um, I was like, oh, actually, well, why why can't I put together what I love in terms of what I'm interested in mm-hmm. alongside what I'm also interested in in painting? So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know how I was going with that, but but yeah, I think um, even though they're influenced by that, I I like to think that there's a kind of openness to them and that maybe it's more the way that we look at cultural reference points and we we pinpoint them to one area and actually they expand a lot further than that because I kind of found from watching Love and Hip Hop that they dealt with a lot of like day-to-day life things be it like very dramatically but it's like reading a great book or like a Jane Austen novel you know it's like over the top um (laughs) yeah but um (laughs) Yeah, you know, you're, you're like kind of watching people and how they relate to each other and how they interact with each other. And, and you know, you have like, if you have a falling out with a friend and, you, you know, on these shows, they always highlight that. But actually, occasionally I'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, <laughs> this has happened. You know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think there's like a lot of broadness. And I think also I think with hip hop and particularly like the female, female um like Cardi B and Nicki Minaj and Lil Kim, that they're such amazing and powerful forces. Yeah. And they're kind of able to do what they want in a way that I, I don't often see black women kind of able to do or or even women in different situations. And I I find that like really admirable. So you channel them <laughs> through the into the figures, I guess. The, their personalities come into your figures yeah I think so I mean it's like I was cleaning the bathroom because it's a new place you know giving it a real good scrub and Uh I was listening to like old Nicki Minaj songs and I just felt really like it really brought me back to life I don't know that I just find them really great and there's a Beyonce and Nicki Minaj track where they've got um oh god I can't I've got to check what her name is but this really famous feminist who wrote we should we should all be feminists, I think it was. And they've oh, like yeah. superimposed her over the track. I don't know, you know, it's a bit cliche, but but it works for me in one sense. Well, Rob, <laughs> Rob is the biggest Nicki Minaj fan and Cardi B fan, aren't you, Rob? That's something that's quite interesting, though, to think about because the, I think one of the things that sets those artists apart is also their, their incredible sharp kind of wit and, and, oh, and, yeah. and incredible intelligence because people mm-hmm. kind of sometimes underestimate people in popular culture and i think cardi b is so intelligent like and and yes she can be wild and fun and all those things but i I love that about her yeah no me too i think that's kind of the the main thing is that they are so they really are so intelligent and there's so much to their character you've been working on a a new exhibition um which is currently installed but not going to be shown just yet because of the uh pandemic so what what kind of led you to make those new works? Yeah, so actually we didn't even get to installing it. We decided mm. that um, it was because I kind of designed uh, the space more than I would do normally. So every other exhibition has just been the walls as they are, but we kind of made made a whole inside design. So we decided it was better for everyone's health to kind of leave it for now. Mm-hmm. Um, but that exhibition, um, that exhibition is... So with my gallery, Maximilian William, and it's something that I've kind of been working towards for such a long time. So um, it's a whole bunch of work that's been. How are you feeling about that now? How are you? Well, it's very strange because I've I've been working on it for about a year. You know, painting on and off in between other things, and it and then we were getting so close, and it's kind of slowed down. It feels quite strange. Like I know that there's this whole body of work that's just waiting to to be seen or, yeah. or to show it and it's like the biggest thing I've ever worked towards it's quite a odd feeling yeah. um but yeah I'm, I mean I'm really excited about that so normally I work quite small and this show is the first show that's got a combination of bigger paintings and much smaller paintings oh. and I think I mean the inspiration behind that I, recently I've been very heavily involved with 
like more renaissance side of things and going to the national gallery a lot and when I was in New York for the Marianne Bosky show, I yeah. went to visit the um, the Frick collection. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've been, but yeah. I just love it. Like, I really loved it. And so there's quite a big influence of 18th century kind of Georgian... Um, European. Yeah. It reminds you, make me Period, think of like European yeah. miniatures that when you started off on a smaller scale, like something precious you'd walk around with, like the love of your life in your kind of codpiece. That's what they make, yeah. me, make me think of, yeah, the yeah. scale of them. <laughs> no, totally. They're kind of like, I mean, there's a painting that that will be in the show um, when it does open and it's a pair of slippers and it kind of, it, it literally fit in the palm of your hand. It's, mm-hmm. it's that small. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that the miniatures is a very European thing and only like private painting or private whatever. Private painting, that's it. Yeah, they feel very yeah. private. Like you shouldn't, there's someone else's belongings that you stumbled across and now you're having an exhibition of like someone's treasures that they've cherished and kept yeah. for themselves. That's the vibe. But then they're also infused with these period figures with these kind of characters that are very contemporary but in a kind of period yeah. style. And that's that's what you're, you're bridging. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really strange. Like from a very young age, I just loved like Victoriana and like really over the top kind of Gaudi I don't know like really love like Rococo and yeah I really love burnishings and and things like that so there's this weird combination of being very interested in that side of things and then obviously popular culture and marrying them together Mm. and I think with the small paintings that kind of came about because when I was younger I used to go um, a lot to galleries with my grandparents and we'd kind of discuss what we were seeing and a lot of the old masters used small paintings as like preliminary paintings for larger paintings so mm. that's actually how I ended up getting to... They used it as like a calling card didn't they? They'd go around and go this is the sort of painting you could have if you commission me then we can do a bigger scale of it I think that's yeah, why they were so well, small a lot of them Well, Also for example Rubens like as an example used to because so because I'm doing a lot of the work starts from imagination yeah. it began that I needed to kind of process how I would add volume and light to that so to work on a small scale made much more sense and figure things out and then obviously once you have a small version you can make a bigger version mm-hmm. but um I realized that I always naturally worked quite small and yeah there's there seems to be a thing about painting big you know people are like big paintings mm-hmm. um but, but you're actually, going that way, aren't yeah. you? Yeah, that's the your. Can you see yourself in yeah. like four years or, or a year or something having big a big painting show? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I was painting big before the kind of work that I'm doing now, um, and I definitely think because because painting partly is about you know learning and and like working through things, and I couldn't stay at this size. I think I'd get bored, you know, on a technical mm-hmm. level. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, like you want yeah, to keep definitely. pushing yourself. And actually, some of the newer works from that show that is yet to um, be uh, put on, um, I really love the one with the butterfly and and also the grapes, uh, like those kind of like more like still life kind of works. Traditional, <laughs> quite traditional ones. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm, yeah, you've seen those. That Yeah, so those are yet to be seen. But... Um, yeah, so the butterfly painting is actually taken from, I don't know if you know, there's an architect called Carlo Molino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, from Turin. And he's desi- he, he was an architect. and He made this absolutely gorgeous house. If yes. anyone's ever in Turin, they should go and see it. It's really stunning. Um, and I discovered that he used to take Polaroids of women. Exactly, and yeah. So he had, yeah, yeah. And it was really secret and it was only discovered once he had passed away. Um, and I think they're absolutely beautiful. And there's this strange thing about how he's presenting a woman because they're obviously quite objectifying, but equally that I just find them to be really charming. Kind of they knew they they knew they were being photographed. They posed for it. Yeah, okay, right. exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they knew, but but it was yeah. There's that strange thing of it's a bunch of Polaroids that someone's kept to themselves. You know, there's mm. that that side to it. But mm-hmm. um, anyway, so the the butterfly is kind of taken from the interior of this house in Turin and it correlates with another painting I did which was in the show role play um which which happened in December and there was a small painting called Little Susie and it's the first painting I 
done, which has an interior space mm. around it. Because so normally your characters was... float in like an environment, don't they? Before this, before you've made like chairs and beds for them to lounge on and background, they normally exist in a colour palette. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. It's kind of been colour filled backgrounds of <laughs> of nothingness. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I, I think that's all. Like, like I was saying, I basically um, did a postgraduate at the Royal Drawing School because I wanted to be able to draw really unselfconsciously and just to um, kind of know what I was doing, so that so that I could work from my imagination because I'd been studying on my degree and, you know, like working from a lot of photographs. And I think there's a certain point that you just get quite stuck. Well, I was anyway, because you're kind of looking to the static photo to to provide life. And I think Mm -hmm. paint is really alive and fluid. And so Mm -hmm. I kind of knew that for myself to be able to progress, I needed to go and not think and just draw from observation. Mm -hmm. So I kind of did that and... um, it meant then that I could translate ideas that I was having. You know, like you have a feeling about something you want to present. Yes. And I could translate that onto paper. Um, and starting with the figure was enough. So it, yeah, like, once you, you had know, the human form in your imagination and you're able just to play around with that, once you had that, that, that foundation, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. That, yeah. And then kind of, I guess, over the past couple like two three years I've built it up now and got to a point where I feel like you know getting better at painting and I can take on the surroundings and kind of introduce objects and yeah so that's that's good and there's another object that you've you've brought in for this show which is the hairbrush with the word eczema and it almost like Uh, a kind of purple wig that's um that's kind of in the background or it could be smoke as well but I I think it kind of references the body as well. But um, can you talk a bit about that work? Because I, I found that really interesting. Yeah, there's a couple of works that are concealing an eczema series, it seems they are. Yeah. Yeah, no, you, you hit it spot on there. It's, it's a wig, um, but it could be smoke. And yeah, basically they're, they're quite like personal paintings. When I first um, finished my postgraduate and I was really involved with this work, it's the first time in my life where I kind of had like an endless amount of ideas to play with. I, I kind of got awful eczema, like absolutely debilitating, terrible eczema. And wow. um, it kind of ruled my life for about a year and I changed my diet and my whole lifestyle, you know, like stopped drinking, d- did so much to change it. And mm. I think um, it was just a way of me kind of like expressing <laughs> what was going on for me, you know, it, it kind of like... Um, yeah getting it out and you know when you have eczema you want to like scratch your skin off and Mm. so what I found was actually using a hairbrush was much better than my nails so it's kind of like gross amalgamation of objects and my personal experience wow (laughs) yeah so that's an autobiographical side to the work and and these figures must have you in them as well somewhere or, or you want to encompass their fierceness yeah, I mean, I think a big part of it was what what happens is, you know, I really love art and the history of art, and I really adore like spending time in the National Gallery. And so when I was doing my postgraduate, you're looking at a lot of historical art, and and there aren't any people there that look like me, and and I'm not right. like massively concerned about what I'm producing, other than that I feel right about it, but. Mm to be so aware that there weren't very many women painted in a certain way or black women. I just kind of found myself feeling a little bit alienated from the art history that I, that I like really love, like mm-hmm. on a technical level. So I just started putting, I was just like, well, I need to kind of see how I can fit myself into this. And mm-hmm. there's, there's all these things about like permission, because if you're looking at something as a way of moving forward and learning from it, if you don't see things that you can relate to in it, you start, I think, questioning what, you know, like questioning, is it okay that I like love and hip-hop? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, does that have a place in in kind of like higher or does it fit into this canon mm. of things in which I'm so well-educated and and um, and interested in? So, I yeah, think I think there's... Um, for everyone, like if you're not, don't see yourself represented in culture or on any level, then it's like, then how are other people going to understand diversity if it isn't there if it isn't being shown on the gallery walls or on tv or in film that's why it's so important yeah that 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 is kind of um 
represented that you this is this is being represented and that's your journey to to your work it's yeah definitely and I think that's why it's like important you know yeah so I guess trying to bring in biographical side and things that I was interested in is that yeah trying to like maybe blur the lines a little bit more between what's acceptable in one place and another mm-hmm. and and yeah um but but the works did start off from me basically having that experience um, of feeling a bit alienated. So I just decided to draw myself a lot mm-hmm. because I've never really done that before. And I was like, oh, what kind of person am I if I don't even know how to like draw myself? And I think it was partly like facing up to myself and like mm-hmm. whatever was going on for me at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so once I got to a point where I felt I was quite com- confident and comfortable with drawing myself, I... I let myself turn into a million different characters and and now I don't really think it is me. It's just, um, that's where it started. <laughs> Can we talk about the characters' uh, breasts? Because they're all, <laughs> they're all huge and they all have nipples like bullets and they're all yeah. very proud if they're out or they're, or they're not, if they're covered up, they're covered up quite skimpily, but they're all very uh, chesty and very, very proud of their uh, voluptuousness. Where does that stem yeah. from? And, and, and you know, and I just want to add that it really reminds me of Lisa Yuskavage, her work, how her yeah. characters are so that their breasts are so out front and they're massive and they're kind of like disproportionate to what the figure is, but they're so um, atypical to her work. Is that why have you? Why have you? Why are your characters <laughs> so chesty? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, that two parts of that. I guess um, I think part of it. It's a bit. It's a bit of a like an F you, you know. Like mm-hmm. I, I kind of just doing a lot of life drawing at the Royal Drawing School, and um, and, and you are looking at naked bodies the whole time. But there seems to be this kind of version of nudity that's okay and it's like allowed, and then this version of nudity that's just not okay. And like I was saying in Love and Hip Hop, there's a lot of um, women who do have these kind of crazy bodies like I don't I can't say if they're a surgery or, or some will definitely be real like they, they kind of don't seem possible mm-hmm. and I found that quite exciting to manipulate this idea that I was coming from the perspective of doing a lot of life drawing and to actually be allowed to just create forms that seemed otherworldly and yeah I think Lisa Lisa Yuskava is, is a um you know I'm I think she's an amazing artist. I have a lot of respect for her. And it's kind of a funny story. When I was in the middle of of getting quite frustrated and started on this new body of work and drawing from myself, I was actually supposed to be in a class and I kind of got a bit fed up. So I just thought, you know, fuck it, I'm just going to go and look around some galleries. Mm-hmm. Um, and I happened to catch her exhibition at David's Werner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember what... Did you... You'd not... Yeah, like, is it uh, Bad Babies? Was it that one? Or? No, it was It was just her first show in a while, I think, and it was at London, Davis Vernon. Yeah. I think it was about three years ago. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And um, I walked in and I was just like, oh, my God, like, this is incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, from, from leaving my classroom where I felt so restricted and frustrated, I just suddenly walked into this world that was just like, Free. wow. Yeah. yeah, it was like there was so much permission for what was actually allowed. All yes. the things I'd kind of been told that were wrong and and that people don't want to see it and no one is interested. In, and I was just like, I'm so interested. I'm really, really interested. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. 
Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And the thing is, like, I think what you're doing with your paintings is kind of what I alluded to in the introduction of this show, was this idea of, like, body image and and about what society has subconsciously told us is acceptable, you know, for women, but also for men. And um, there's somebody else who, who I've been looking at a lot over the last few weeks since I've been in lockdown because I met her very briefly. She's called Chidera um, Egaru, and she's known as the, the Slum Flower. I don't know if you know of her oh, at all. No, but I don't. She's, I she's just made a documentary. Um, uh, I didn't actually see the documentary yet, but I think it was to do with body hair and about this idea that like, you're told you're not allowed to have body hair, therefore mm-hmm. women and sometimes men as well will like, wax their bodies or whatever. And she's, she did this whole kind of analysis about that. And she's written a number of kind of very helpful books about getting over you know, relationships or being sort of living by yourself and, and learning to love yourself. And it's kind of almost like self-help, but from a much more personal, diaristic kind of way of writing. And she's really yeah. um, using her own body now through photographing herself in selfies and doing Instagram live chats, where she's really sort of taking control um, of her, of her, the, the way that she is represented. And even though she isn't an artist as such, she's more of a writer and now a presenter, mm. I guess. But I just love the way that she's approaching it all. And it, there is a kind of link to what you're doing with your paintings as well, I feel. Yeah, I think, to, to be honest, it's, it's quite interesting. I think it, maybe my works will bring up lots of things that um, are, are quite broad because of the nature of them being women and because of them being nude and, and like Russell says, having you know huge breasts. And but I think the main thing for me is is there's more of a psychological acceptance, even though they are um, women and they are nude. I, I guess for me, they kind of break down things that are, are much further afield than that. Yeah. If, if that kind of makes sense. It's kind of, um, you know, like you, you mentioned the nipples looking like bullets. Mm-hmm. And there was one painting that I made that was at the Fortnite exhibition and it was called Triple X YZ Black Face Shooter. And um, basically I was having a really hard time because I was watching a lot of the news and, you know, there's a lot of young black people that get killed in America, particularly men, by police force or yep. by each other, you know, and yep. I found it quite dramatic. And there's there was a rapper called... Um, Triple X, Tentacion, and I really love his music. It's highly problematic because I know, you know, there's a history there with, um, you know, his relationship with his partner. Um, And anyway, he was shot dead and it really, uh, really got to me in a way that doesn't normally, I'm not normally bothered by things like that and it really got to me. So I kind of used that painting as a way a friend of mine suggested I made some work about it and I was like how can I make work about that you know if I relay it directly it's going to be so weird and you know, it's not going to work um but I managed to kind of c- console myself through that painting um, mm-hmm. and and so even though I think they are about body image I think it's a lot to do as well with with boundaries and like for me maybe psychological acceptance um you know, maybe sometimes you don't want to confront things like the, the fact that I am a woman and I want to paint and it's a highly male field, even though things are obviously changing now, yeah. right. and that I'm black and a woman, you know, all these things that I never really wanted to have to confront, but you get confronted by them, whether you like it or not, because that's how other people see you. And so I like the idea that although they have a lot of those elements in them, I, you know... There's, a, there's lots of other stuff going on in and amongst it that doesn't quite make sense. And, yeah, to, to illustrate, you know, like, um, things like police, police brutality through images like this, you know, it's just like, how, you know, how can I put this all together in a way that, that makes sense from my back catalogue of mm. what I'm interested in? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I always think, like, there's particularly something I find really fascinating is watching a lot of hip-hop music videos. I think they're absolutely incredible. And the, the Cardi B video 
I've I got to remember the song, but it really reminds me of like a David Lynch film set. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that, you know, that, like an art house. Um, yeah, I think. And that's really interesting. And, and maybe sometimes things get sectioned off, but, but there's this real interesting dialogue of dark undertones and yeah. Yeah, 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 they, yeah. Almost, they do feel timeless as well, like almost like sixties in their kitsch kind of style. Like remember the kitsch art you used to get in the sixties. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I mean I love the sixties and the hair, exactly, and, and the clothing, the massive and, platforms, yes. and the mini skirts. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. And they, um, they have a sort of stripper yeah. culture as well to them. Like you can imagine them having a pole nearby. Yeah. Some of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that was the thing as well. I think when I first started out from watching Love and Hip Hop, like a lot of the women turned kind of musicians or, or, or whatever else they were doing. Some of them did come from backgrounds of, of stripping. Cardi B did, the, didn't she? Was Cardi well, B? Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. Right, 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 yeah, right. yeah. But there's this whole like glamorous stripper culture yes. and like the way they look and it, and it does end up translating into just the way people are in everyday life. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think... It's really interesting. Um, yeah, and I've always loved like the 60s and 70s uh-huh. and just any era that's not this era, to be honest, uh-huh. like style-wise. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right, right. And does vintage <laughs> porn ever play into it? Like them images of women in the 60s? and Yeah, I mean, I've definitely got a soft spot for like that old erotica and it, it's not it's, it's like linda you know t- linda's photography yeah that's, that when she yeah. draws them and takes some images that's what i see in your work a lot yeah it's quite interesting because that sort of like porn or erotica is it's very soft and there seems to be a lot of references to like classical art mm-hmm. and, and the way you set up an image mm-hmm. i know lisa's talked a lot about this because of her using its references as well but um there's just something quite amazing, you know, being British and, and going around the V&A and the National Gallery and you've got all these trinkets and these, um, you know, like types of wallpaper and then you've got this erotica and it kind of binds the two together mm-hmm. of these kind of very nice luxury items or kind of kitsch items and then these women and, and then, you know, the hairstyles which your everyday woman would have but then there's this pornographic setting of like slight nudity and that they are quite amazing to mm-hmm. be honest um, mm-hmm. yeah and what is the they sensuality kind of... to them rather than being hardcore graphic there's sensualness exactly. sensuality, as if they've been made for women by women that sort of like that vibe yeah yeah no definitely and yeah I don't they're, they're very interesting images and I think um, I think a lot of the time when it's softer like that it's I don't know how you relate to it but it's it whatever it brings to mind is in the eye of the beholder if that kind of that kind of thing I see it as a beautiful setup and like coming from the life room women and bodies and yeah you know like the wallpaper and the objects mm-hmm. and I heard that you you were slowly building up a collection of kind of art books that you have at your studio I guess and one of the artists that you mentioned was Leonora Carrington and is there a because your work so imagined um was she someone that you particularly looked to and who who else were you are you collecting you know as part of this collection of books yeah I mean um Leonora Carrington who I loved and and then um my favorite actually of those women is kind of Leonor Finney I don't know if you've seen her works but um so she had a great exhibition on actually at the Museum of Sex. I think it was, that was when I was, uh, that was actually after my show in Chicago that that was on. So that was two and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. And anyway, she she makes um, incredible, she, she was considered a surrealist, though I think a lot of the women surrealists didn't actually consider themselves surrealists. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, she painted like lots of sphinxes and women and there was a lot of nudity in it as well. And then... Who else have I got? I, I don't know if you know the artist Lucy Stein, but um, I'm a huge fan yeah. of her. Yeah. Um, she she uh, basically came to do a tutorial when I was studying at Brighton and I thought it was the only decent person that they ever had come in and like, really? show their work. And talk. <laughs> yeah, I was really like taken by her. I was, oh, wow. yeah, she was fantastic. And she like gave me a um, 
you know, what, what do you call it when you have someone come to your a crit? My friends. Yeah, she gave me a crit and she was just very straightforward with me. And there were these little paintings I'd done of um, some cones and they were the paintings I'd liked, but all my tutors had been telling me, oh, try this, try that. And she went straight to them and she was like, this is good. And I was like, oh, you're the first person to, to pull out something. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, like, yeah. Um, and then who I got like, I see a lot of the sculptor Rebecca Warren in your work because of the bulbous oh, energy. I and actually her, don't know her. Oh, you yeah. should look her up because I think it's yeah, like there's a lot of that. But she's also inspired by the cartoonist Robert Crumb, R. Crumb. Do you know his work? Yeah, I know. So yeah, I can see I his Crum. work as well. And it's like, <laughs> I think there's a dialogue going on through them to you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think Crumb is great, you know, and he just, he's like, I'm just, he's self-admitted pervert or strange person mm-hmm. who sees the world through his own eyes mm-hmm. and yeah yeah no I'm a big fan um kind of looked at Crum a lot as looking at um David Lynch like they interconnected yes. as well yes, totally. for me yeah how quick are you at painting yeah oh um I'm quite quick yeah I, I'm very impatient like once I have an idea in my head I'm like desperate to see it so I tend to kind of just sit down and go for it. Um, and then it, with oil paint, you know, you, you sometimes you just have to let the layers dry. But uh, I think I normally make paintings in like one to two sittings. Wow. And one at a time. Yeah. Yeah. This, I, have this, I have this weird thing about not finishing things when I was studying and so now I've got like almost the opposite like a compulsion where if I start something I need to finish it <laughs> so I tend to kind that's of that's a good compulsion I mean, your dealer will be happy yeah. about that yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean sometimes you know something just isn't working and you've got to know when to leave it and, and mm. <laughs> do you struggle with anything in, in it do you struggle with any elements of the paintings like any features or anything that you're like oh I can't be bothered with this or this is the tricky bit yeah, I think there's an element to painting. Like, there are parts of it that can be boring because, like, anything else, there's, you know, you, you like, if you're going through a whole process of priming and, and laying down a colour, mm. it's not always that fun. <laughs> you like, this yeah. is the bit I just got to get through. And yeah. then... The fun yeah, begins. The, yeah, exactly. Like, it is a labour of love. And, and then... But it's kind of, for me, time evaporates. Like, when I'm doing it, I'm so involved that time really speeds up and you kind of like lose hours to it and I think I think as well I'm quite emotional while I'm painting I'm trying to be a bit more like don't get so angry and worked up you, you know, get angry so that's like your, your loud hip-hop yeah. rap music you're listening to no wonder you get angry when you're working yeah. <laughs> no I mean it's funny once I was in so so the painting actually that was on show at Marianne Bosky um which is this figure kind of with long white hair and she's got her arm up behind her head. Mm. I went to the studio and I was in such a bad mood and I was like, I don't think I'm going to make anything in this sort of mood. And I painted that painting. I was like, what? You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, out of it came this strange, yeah. yeah. You've, mentioned, um, you've mentioned David Lynch twice during this, this conversation. How important is film mm. to you and, and why particularly Lynch? um film yeah film is is very important to me as is reading like I read a lot of uh books and um I guess David Lynch because when I was younger a friend of mine showed me uh I don't know if you've seen the movie Eraserhead yeah yeah and it's kind of about this character I think he's married and he has a baby and this baby turns into this kind of creature and there's all these strange scenes that it turns you know there's a woman on stage singing and she's got a beard and and anyway I just um I interpreted that film as him experiencing a life event something that everyone is familiar with the idea of having a child for the first time but the breakdown of it was this kind of like abstracted version of reality and it doesn't make sense but it makes so much sense right and Mm. yeah I like the idea that you can break things down and abstract them and then they they don't make linear sense but they 
but it does make sense. I think that's what a lot of looking at painting is. Things don't necessarily make sense, but you looking at it and the whole experience somehow makes something that you can't say understandable. And it's just yeah, a language, think, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and and I think David Lynch and you know Blue Velvet. I I love that film also, mm-hmm. and I found. You know the character. I think her name's Isabella Rossetti. Rossellini. Rossellini. Sorry, I'm so dyslexic with words. But um, yeah, just the the characterization and the kind of like dark undertone. I think there's a lot of a kind of black humor to my work and just to myself as a person. <laughs> um, like I, one of my favorite books that I've ever read is uh, Angela Carter, The Sadian Woman. Um, mm-hmm. And it's basically a breakdown of the Marquis de Sade. You know, um, he, do, do you know de Sade? He, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Well, the, Tell the, us a story the, for our um, listeners who don't. What's the story? Yeah, so so the Marquis de Sade was kind of um, an aristocrat and he, he was really wealthy and he, he wrote all these really X-rated pornographic books that were all banned and he kind of... I think he got put in prison and all sorts. But anyway, he, he wrote this book, but um, Angela Carter basically used the way he'd characterised women in some of his books as a way to break down how we view women today, kind of saying that he was a radical because for the first time someone was using, like saying that women's sexuality wasn't just as a baby-making machine. So he'd kind of given them a sense of autonomy even though, yeah, it's a really great book and it mm. kind of breaks down a lot of interesting things and, and yeah, and the focus of it is, is on pornography. And it's her, Justine her, her and Her book's Julia. from the late 70s. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because she died when she was quite young, unfortunately, well, like too, too young to die. But um, yeah, and, and The Bloody Chamber by her, which is a series of fairy tales which she rewrote to have strong female characters. Mm. <laughs> she kind of like switched mm. it up. Um, the Bloody Chamber is an amazing, amazing story. And I remember we studied that when I was doing my GCSEs or A-levels. It was mm. one of the books. Wow. And yeah. It's kind of saying that women can be violent um, and it, you know, yeah. It's it's interesting. So like I was talking to my granddad about Plato's one of Plato's books, and he was saying Plato believes in that women being equal, but it would also mean they had to go to war and commit acts of atrocity. You know, like there's a side. To, yeah, and I think Angela Carter just has this broad view on violence beyond it just being what we think of as violence, and I think imagery is quite violent. And you know, you were saying like we're kind of in a time at the moment where being given so much information on coronavirus and like you know it's a kind of overload mm-hmm. i think it's the same with the visual world that we live in you get so much imagery it's hard to kind of sift through it, it, it? Yeah, it yeah digest it in your brain yeah yeah so you're um yeah. you've, you've recently moved now then and how easy do you think or have you started already making work in the current climate and what are you working towards in your mind what are you projecting yeah, it, it's it's quite a strange time for me anyway, I think, because I had just finished working on the show, mm. um, which has kind of been, you know, it's the first time I've worked on like a body of work for about three years and been like, wow, that's quite momentous. So I had painted this last painting in the show called um, Afternoon Tea, The Weight of Silence. And it's quite funny because it was the last thing I painted and I left it and looked at it and I was like, oh... It's very reflective, the painting. I was like, I think that's sort of how I'm feeling about painting. Like, what's the next step? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. so today's kind of the first day I've actually sat down and been been finally doing some drawing. How's that going? that's how I normally start. Yeah, it, it's been so nice, actually. I really felt like a sense of calm. <laughs> Good. But, um, yeah, I think, yeah, just carrying on and... And like you said, working on some bigger paintings, and yeah, we'll see. Are you are you are you part of a group of artists in London? Have you have you got like peers that you kind of will chat to about your paintings or when you're making things, or do yeah. you work quite I isolated? Mean, I'm quite isolated, and I 
I always kind of have been, even when I was studying, I always found the corner of the studios and set myself up there and I have my <laughs> headphones on. <laughs> like, I, I feel quite self-conscious and don't like people to watch what I'm doing and just to kind oh, of like get on with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but my partner uh, studied art with me and we, I'm so grateful to have him because I really get to like talk with him about a lot of things if it's music or you know whatever's on my mind and that's really helpful you like his reviews but, of your um, work is he a good crit <laughs> yeah he is sometimes no he's great he's he's very um you know he says exactly what he thinks uh, it's helpful sometimes things i'm like this is terrible it's going in the bin and he's like no it's not and and he was right and I was wrong and then sometimes it just reaffirms you know if someone says they don't like something you're like well I really love it like I don't care what you think yeah 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 totally and that that's quite helpful how do you feel about because you a lot of your work is being sold now because you're incredibly uh sought after and and very um you're doing you're just a brilliant artist how do you feel about your work going into collectors houses and going to collections around the world and then now sort of leaving you do you feel uh, it's tough to let work go and once you've made it yeah to be honest I'm I'm so grateful that I'm in a position to do what I love and like that people do want to have it in their homes and you know it's such a I, I love it I, that art is to be seen and um I think it's great if people want it and they want to live with it and yeah I, I just I think I'm very lucky mm-hmm. um yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I think I think it's also important as well. There's always this conversation about having stuff in places which are public that people can see, and that's always really yes. important. Institutions um, is your drive. That's where yeah. you sort of you want to get on the walls of museums. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think who doesn't want that? Who's, who's a painter or an artist? Yeah. But um, but I love the idea that you know these things that are because when I'm painting there can be like 20 of these paintings on the wall and they're all looking at me and it can get quite intense so mm-hmm. I love the idea that they've kind of dispersed and gone to different places and I wonder what other people's experiences of living with them are like mm-hmm. yeah but, um, Amazing. No, I'm very lucky I really like the um the leopard print theme as well that seems to be coming through in some of the newer works oh yeah it makes so, me think um, of Lil Kim a lot and also like Cardi yeah. B obviously and like I don't know <laughs> no I love leopard print um I quite like uh I don't know but I had this leopard print dressing gown that my boyfriend absolutely hated I just thought it was the worst <laughs> thing in the world and I just loved it um <laughs> I think yeah it I don't know just drawn to certain prints and and yeah leopard print is one of the the thing rob loves leopard print zebra print <laughs> animal he's all about animal prints aren't you rob i actually really love the cardi b video with um city girls where they both painted their bodies in like mm. tiger tiger that prints video's or whatever. brilliant yeah and i yeah. think that's also what i was thinking about and then lil kim obviously but um when i saw because one of your paintings you have like leopard print kind of painted onto the woman's body skin yeah yeah i think that painting's kind of i guess it is called Untitled, but at one point it was, it's sort of like a transfiguration. I don't know. It's kind of, yeah. Where I do your titles come from? Um, a collection of places sometimes. I don't know, things will just come to me and I mm-hmm. won't force a title. Like if something's not happening, it's just not going to happen. Um, right. And it'll just be Untitled. Uh but like there was a painting, what have you done? Leaving party, and I think Brexit was subconsciously on my mind, and mm-hmm. you know, just just things that kind of make sense. Um, and yeah, and then triple X, Y, Z, blackface shooter. That that's quite literal, you know. Mm-hmm. It was concealing the name of triple X Tentacion, and then X, Y, Z being like you know X, Y, Z, whatever, and then blackface and shooter. Just you know, it, it they're kind of nonsensical sequences of things put together I think mm-hmm, a lot of mm-hmm. time yeah amazing well we ask every guest that comes on uh, two very important questions the first one is if you could do an art heist for yourself you could an imaginary art heist you could have any work of art from anywhere in the world whatever it is a building a painting a sculpture a video a performance and you could have it to yourself what would it be and why um so 
I think after visiting the Frick collection, as I discovered the work of Thomas Gainsborough, but particularly his paintings of women, which I just think are, are amazing. Um, and there's a portrait of a woman called Grace, I'm not going to say her name right, Dal, Dalimple Elliot? Dalimple, so yes. Dalimple, yeah. yeah. Um, I would... I'd have that. I'm absolutely in love with that portrait. What's her name? Grace Dalrymple Ellis. Elliot. 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 And yeah. she was a real person. He, he painted she was from a models. Scottish courtesan. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. oh, you know. Did you know that off the top of your head, Rob? Yeah. <laughs> yep, babes. Because you know why? Because um, Michael Fullerton, who I used to work with, did loads of work about Gainsborough. Oh right. Oh, amazing. Yeah. So I actually weirdly have heard about Grace Elliot before. Yeah, I mean, when I read about that painting, it's funny because that that was it was considered, you know, her cheeks looked too flush and her eyes too seductive. And I just I was like, obviously seduced by the painting. I loved it. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I think she was quite a character. And also she was a spy. And um, Michael was really interested in the idea of spying and spies and politics and things like that. So I think it was during the French Revolution. And um, yeah, she's a really fascinating woman, actually. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and I you kind of know Gainsborough more as a well landscape painter. That's what I had thought of. So I was really thrilled to find that. Love that. The other question we ask every guest is, "What is your favourite colour?" Ooh, um... <laughs> leopard print. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can that be a colour? <laughs> you know, what? it's green. Green is my favourite colour. Oh, right. Right. And yeah. why green? Um, it's it's so vibrant, lively and rich and dark. I don't know, there's there's a lot of great tones of green. I really, yeah. Do you Love paint a, a lot with dark green, green velvet? Mm, no, actually. The, the leopard print painting is very green and then there's a big version of that that's quite green. But but no, not, not necessarily. I but that, and I think you get tones in skin colours and sometimes I find... Green and brown is an interesting combination, but yeah. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking about Green Velvet. A, they're an amazing band because I love the electronic music of Green Velvet. Oh, I um, but also that idea of like landscapes and stuff. I think people call grass Green Velvet sometimes. Ah, yeah, no. Um, yeah. Anyway, so yeah. random. <laughs> but the uh, other question we ask at the minute is what is your secret? lockdown talent or your hidden lockdown talent the talent you didn't realize you had until now we've been in quarantine um oh god i think it's probably really lame and it's it's cleaning things within an inch of their lives that's yeah probably... <laughs> that's good <laughs> that's a really weird maybe it's neurosis since being locked down i don't know have you been washing your hands every 20 minutes and singing happy birthday no that like wash my hands when i've gone out but just like I've been really enjoying cleaning things. Well, that's a lovely talent. But, yeah. <laughs> Can you just, does it take your mind off stuff when you're cleaning? Or do you feel stressed it about it? Yeah. No, no, it's quite like therapeutic to just, you know, it's like going for a run in a way. You've got a goal in mind and there's a beginning, middle and end. And yeah. I need to I never considered, I've never considered you. cleaning having a beginning, middle and end. But you're <laughs> right, it does. It does. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we probably have more interesting things to do. <laughs> I've enjoyed it very much. Can I just talk briefly on wigs, how important wigs are in your work? Uh, you know what, again, that is another probably quite personal thing. But when I was younger, you know what it's like when you're a little girl, like hair is just the thing. Like you just want long, amazing hair. I'm obviously mixed race black and I've got wildly curly hair so I just always wanted like long straight locks which is awful in retrospect and now I love my hair but I think um there's a really interesting kind of storyline that I think a lot of women with hair like mine go through which is that you you kind of chemically alter or texturize your hair so you can get it to behave in one way that it's not going to Mm -hmm. ever last as um and like wigs and so I think it's just like a personal expression of uh kind of experiencing hair and you know uh, particularly in, like love and hip-hop and, and a lot of celebrities actually wear amazing wigs mm-hmm. and then again you know like back to the 60s and 70s like these crazy like puffed up hair and curled ends and I just think they're fantastic and so it, it, it's also a way to kind of 
make the hair not about having black hair or white hair or whatever. It's supposed to be quite ridiculous, like ambiguous. Um, yeah, very lively. <laughs> love. I love the wigs. Yeah. Get on glass. <laughs> yeah. Also, also, it can be whatever colour you want, which is, is good. It's a dream. It's a dream. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Samaya. Thank you so much. It's been brilliant talking to you. It's been yeah. such a great way to spend an hour. I loved it. Thank you so much for having me. It's of been course. great. Yeah. For all images <laughs> we, we were talking about today, please go to our Instagram page at Talker and Samaya. Are you on Instagram? Yeah, I am. Yes. What is your name yes. on it? Um, Samaya Critchlow which is my name. <laughs> I thought, um, actually, the Critchlow yeah. thing, my friend who's an actress, I did a, a show called Being Human and she's called Lenora Critchlow, but she doesn't have the T. And I was about to go into this whole wax lyrical about, oh my God, there must be some sort of family connection, but no, no not at all. So, No, no. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good name, actually, because people can't really tell where, where I'm from, which I find quite fun. <laughs> yes, like, yes, yes. From? Yes, but, yes, yeah. yes. No, love it. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, <laughs> thank everyone. You. And we'll be back very yeah, soon. Take care. Bye. 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 You've been listening to Talk Art with Robert Diamant and Russell Tovey. Follow us on Instagram at Talk Art, where you can view images of all artworks discussed in this episode. Subscribe to Talk Art at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.